0: Hi, I'm Megan Skidmore, and this is the Beyond the Shadow of Doubt. I'm a woman, daughter, sister, spouse, mother, life coach, and person of faith on a mission to normalize asking questions and allowing doubts, not only in a faith journey, but in all aspects of life. Join me in bringing this traditionally taboo topic out of the shadows of shame and into the light. I'm a firm believer that we normalize through more talking and engaging in discussion. More talking peels back, exposes, and erases the layers of shame associated with questions and doubts. When we're more authentic about our journey, we are more powerful because shame has no power in the face of authenticity. I'm currently hosting a podcast giveaway. To enter, simply leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and upload a screenshot to my Google Doc. Share this giveaway with a friend, and if your friend's name is drawn, you both win a $100 gift card. The link to enter, including to the Google Doc, is in the show notes or in the bio of my Instagram profile. Welcome, and thanks for joining for part two of my interview with Monica Phillips. We pick up where Monica shares how she felt the anger and fear that she was experiencing quote unquote, damned her, not as in damned her to hell, but rather kept her from progressing. Once she experienced a change of heart and her prayers shifted from why me Lord to what can I learn from this? She was ready to cross the great expanse of the unknown. If you haven't already, make sure to listen to the first half, part one, in episode 53 of this podcast. I would love to hear your thoughts, so please just shoot me an email at hello at Megan
1: I think the fear and the anger were probably the things that kept me from moving forward. I literally felt damned. And I don't, when I say damned, I don't mean damned to hell. I mean, damned, like I could not progress because of this fear and this anger. And I had to find a way to kind of maneuver through that. And so I'm going to talk about anger for just another minute. I I don't consider anger to be a Christ-like attribute, but I do believe that it's a God-given emotion that we use to, kind of help us process our stuff. <laughs> and I had a lot of stuff. And so I think our natural inclination when we are angry at somebody is to turn away from them. But I do want your listeners to know that I feel like we don't need to turn away from God in our anger. And that, that would be naturally what we would want to do. But I promise that and what, from what I've learned that he can handle, he can handle our anger. Uh, Inside, I was just furious. My prayers were not nice. Um, They sounded something like, how could you do this to me? How could you do this to such a valiant child of yours? Why him? Why this trial? He's done nothing but serve you. It just felt so infuriatingly unfair. I loved that term, but infuriatingly unfair because that just resonated with me. But I got an answer one day when I was having one of my rants with God. And that answer was, why not him? Why not Landon? And suddenly my way of thinking was shifted and my prayers changed. Uh, They changed to, what am I to learn from this? There must be a purpose. Heavenly Father, show me the purpose. Teach me what I need to learn. And those questions were much more productive and I could progress with those kinds of questions. But fear was a little trickier. It hung on quite a bit longer. And um, I just don't think fear is a place that our Heavenly Father wants us to dwell when we're in a state of fear, we I don't feel like we can feel the Savior's love the way we should. Um, <clears throat> it's a bit of a dark place. And for me, very hard to progress in that dark place. I love the story of bro- the brother of Jared. I think he speaks to this. So as a reminder, the brother of Jared was commanded to build barges and the Jaredites obediently went to work. And they they um, they did it just as the Lord told them to do. But as they neared the completion of the barges, the brother of Jared had some concerns and some questions, right? He took, he took those questions to the Lord. He said, and I quote, Lord, I have performed the work which thou hast commanded me, and I have made the barges according as thou hast directed me. And behold, O, o Lord, in them there is no light. Whither shall I steer? And also we shall perish, for in them we cannot breathe, save it is the air which is in them. Therefore we shall perish. And when I I had reread that story, once I was a Relief Society teacher, when um, I was kind of going through this, and this was part of one of the lessons I had to give. And so I reread this story, but I read them with a different lens now, because I was in a different place. And I thought, wow, like, that sounds a lot like my prayers. Uh, and maybe some of your listeners uh, can relate to this. Um, you know, this is, kind of, this is kind of how my prayers sounded. Uh, Lord, I've done everything I, you told me to do but now I can't make it. It's too dark. How am I going to see? And Lord, I can't breathe. I'm going to die. Do you really want me to cross this ocean only to die? And there was fear
0: in the brother of Jared's prayer. And I'd never noticed that before Mm. until I had a similar prayer.
1: And just um, to give
0: a little background of this story, for those that aren't familiar with it, the brother of Jared and their families were commanded to cross this great water, which we know to be the ocean. And they had these what uh, Monica mentioned were barges think of a clamshell like a top and a bottom and they were to ride in or sit inside of them and with a single hole in the top for breathing and (laughs) other things and um, so the Lord turned the um, the task over back over to the brother of Jared and and his family to figure out how to provide light on the inside to be able to cross this great ocean so, I love the symbolism you're talking about there, how it, feel, it can feel like that for us in our own lives, that we yeah. feel like we're being requested to cross this great expanse in the dark. And how, yeah. am, I, how am I going to do that? Like you said, without dying.
1: Yeah, that's it. And, a- and he asked the brother Jared to come up with solutions.
0: Yeah, that right. Like you just explained, and thank you for
1: clarifying that. I forget that some of your listeners That's okay, no <laughs> Don't worries. know this story, um, but he and and so the brother Jared does come up with um, an idea, and and
0: and it, and it works. Um, but he told which the Lord, we can share what the idea was. He yes. asked the the Lord to touch each of these clear stones. Yeah, yeah, stones that True. he collected from the mountain
1: and they had turned to light. And so he used those, um, it was a miracle, his his barge. And he said, ye cannot cross this great deep, save, I prepare a way for you against the waves of the sea and the winds, which have gone forth and the floods, which shall come. So the Lord made it clear to the Jaredites that they could not make it to the promised land without him. He needed to be very, he was very instrumental in their crossing. Um, they were not in control. And the only way they can make it across the great deep was to put their trust in him. And I realized that that's exactly what I needed to do, but I didn't know how to get from my fear to that level of trust. And um, I'm just going to read a couple more verses of that story. And I want you to take note of how the brother of Jared's prayers changed once they kind of came up to the realization that they had had to rely on the Lord. And the brother of Jared said, I know, O Lord, that thou hast all power. And can do whatsoever thou wilt for the benefit of man. Behold, O O Lord, thou canst do this. We know that thou art able to show forth great power, which looks small unto the understanding of men. And so they got in their barges and they set forth into the sea, committing themselves unto the Lord their God. And to commend means to entrust or to surrender. And so they got into those barges because they trusted and can you even imagine how scary that would be? You know, you're going to go, you're in these, like you described these clamshells with these little rocks of light, you know, that you're, that you're going to be blown in this one direction, but you know, there's going to be storms and everything. Um, so there must've been a lot of fear there, but they had enough trust that they got in and they, um, and they were willing to surrender it just all I love him. that so and much. Powerful. When I, yeah, when I came to that understanding that the Lord is in charge here and not me, and that he truly knoweth all things. Um, and that this is part of the very plan that he had for me and for my family, then it became easier to just kind of lay it all at his feet. And when I was able to give it all, like lay that all at the Lord's feet, I was able to then be free. To fully love and support my child because I could just give that over to the Lord and know that He has them and that He has our family. And my job is to just love my kids and you know move forward in faith. And He's gonna take care of. So that was super pivotal, just how I processed that fear and anger. And that story was really important for me to get through that.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: at the very end of the Brother Jared story, we know that the journey, um, so we know that the journey wasn't easy. They were tossed to and fro. And it says in the in the scriptures that at times they were buried in the depths of the sea due to the winds and the storms. And yet the winds did never cease to blow them towards the promised land. And while being, and this is this was key to me, while being excuse me, why while being tossed about they did sing praises unto the Lord and they did thank and praise the Lord all the day long. And when the night came, they did not cease to praise the Lord even before making it to the promised land. They found joy and Thanksgiving in the midst of their journey. And we can too, if we learn to trust him completely. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of where I found that trust
0: and Mm -hmm.
1: how I kind of navigated.
0: It sounds like my journey, you reached reached, um, a certain place of, of peace, perhaps. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so beautiful that you said, I, I was able to lay it at his feet and by turning that part over to God, it enabled me to fully love and accept my child. That's, that's a powerful realization. That's a powerful pivot. I think too, for me,
1: um, something that really helped me, I had a, a good friend that I met in this space, um, who taught me how to literally visualize handing my burdens over kind of like a meditation of handing my burdens mm. over to the Lord. And that, that, that little tool of being able to, you know, give it over was also helpful in just yeah. that process of really. visualizing. it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Really letting go of it. I wanted to ask you a follow-up question. Um, mm-hmm. You talked about your fears about how your child was going to be viewed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know i read between the lines uh, of that as how your faith community would receive all of this information and that is a topic i like to explore with with guests at times you know if you don't mind sharing a little bit more about that what was it like navigating what y'all were going through as a family in your faith community is this something you know, you felt comfortable talking, but I know in the beginning that most don't yeah. come out right away. And I did catch you say in the beginning, only you and your husband and, and yeah. your daughter. And it you. was his
1: entire mission that we were kind of closeted as parents, even right. We're, yeah. And our so our kids are
0: closeted, we're closeted. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, so, you know, was it, you know, what was that like for you? And, and, and by extension, you know, what, what were the struggles or perhaps, Frustrations in navigating that in this space. Yeah. Well, um, okay, so while my son was on his mission and we
1: were closeted, so to speak, I do remember that was a a little bit of a hard time because I would hear things and I couldn't speak up about them. But not, you know, now I would speak up about lots of things. But at the time I wasn't even educated enough myself to know how to speak up, but I also couldn't even speak up because I didn't, I couldn't share that part. And so I remember, I remember that, um, we had a few discussions in, in Relief Society and for your listeners who aren't of our faith, that is just like a, kind of like a Sunday school class, but it's for just the women. And at that time, once a month, we would have kind of just like a, a council, we would all sit around and talk about certain topics. And it was just more of a discussion, not really a lesson. And they wanted to have some lgbtq discussions which i thought was so fabulous um and we we came from a wonderful wonderful state that was very you know quite open-minded um you know because this was even you you know me and how how little we talk about this in our church settings yeah but this was five years ago and it was being talked about in our wards and we had That that is pretty phenomenal it's pretty good right and we had a couple of different um occasions where we talked about this, but even, and it it was talked about so well, but also I heard things in those discussions, like, um, how parents were abusing their children when they were helping them with transgender care and things like that. And I just remember just thinking, I am so glad that Landon is an adult because I would be feeling very judged right now. Um, very judged and, I just remember those conversations being a little bit difficult, but also, like I said, I was uneducated. So I didn't know what that would have meant for me. Like now, if I would have heard hear that I would respond in a completely different way, but I just felt a little like, ouch for those poor parents who were navigating this with youth. And I didn't even have to deal
0: with that. You know, would you mind, you know, sharing, what would you say if in fact Landon had been younger at the time? Because, you know, I live in Texas. This is a very real fear for many. I think I would probably,
1: I think it's helpful. Um, you know, now with our new information with the intersex conditions, it's, it's a lot easier for people to wrap their brains around the science behind being intersex. It's very like, it's scientifically proven, right? Like my son literally has XY chromosomes and female body parts. It's not something anybody can dispute, but we, we only found that out because we were curious. And I mm-hmm. bought a kit, <laughs> not yeah. like doctors don't test you for this. When you go in with gender issues, you're not tested for that. And so, um, we literally Which is found just really um, it kind of blows my mind, but yeah. Yeah. Maybe. And there's, you know, and there's even, you know, a lot of the transgender community doesn't want that, doesn't want doctors to test for that because then if nothing shows up, then they are denied care and they don't want that either. So, point. and we're just barely, yeah, yeah. Like there's some real good reasons why they don't maybe, but we were just curious and it's kind of like a, it's kind of like one of those DNA ancestry sure. kits only it's a lot more in depth, um, a lot more data, but it was just out of curiosity for us. And so, um, uh, let's see, I lost my train of thought. What was that? <laughs> Sorry about that. What you uh, would, what thought oh, what would I say? Yeah. So, so I think. Parents. I think when I can help people understand that these things really do happen and that had we, so now, now that Lannan's intersex, nobody argues getting treatment for that. Right. But we wouldn't have known does he, is he not like able to get care before? And so I think it's still really difficult to have those conversations depending on who you're talking about. They have to be very nuanced. So I can't even say like, I would, I would answer it one way because it really would depend on who I'm talking to and what the circumstances are. But I do know somebody um, who was, their child was denied um, care through like military um, insurance. And then literally the day after they got the denial, they found out their child also has XY chromosomes. And so now their child is able to get care. So. It's just it's just a really complicated topic. <laughs> it can be.
0: It's become very politicized, which makes it really difficult is, for all yes, of us. Yes, it has, not which is totally unfortunate. You know what comes to mind as you're talking there, Monica? The answer that you received um, about your child, I think, would apply 100% to this situation. Parents uh, who could be navigating the transgender slash non-binary space, and you know the the counsel, the, the impression came to you to just lay this at, at God's feet. Yeah. Just turn it back over to him and focus on fully loving and embracing and accepting your child. And like you said, you, you know, you were told you're, or you realized your job, your one job is to love your kids.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And also I wanted just to go back to, um, what it was like for us during in the beginning, because once Landon came home from his mission, that's when, and he came out publicly, that's when I had to really worry about, that's when I was really worried about how people would view him. And mm-hmm. our, we were, so he was at a YSA at the time. He asked me to go with him to visit his bishop, to kind of come out to his bishop. And I was so impressed with that bishop. They just were so wonderful to Landon and just Found some commonalities and, you know, he, he admitted, he didn't know that much, but he wanted to learn. Mm-hmm. He talked about how he, he had been to a transgender person's wedding, a neighbor's wedding. Like he was just trying to find some common ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but, and also just the fact that he was so willing to listen to Landon yeah. and to hear his experience gave him, you know, supported him in coming to, um, church presenting as a male, um, and things like that, which was so at the time and just at the time there was no church policy about transitioning or anything like that. We we had nothing to go off of. We were literally going off of personal revelation hundred percent because we had no church policies. We had, we just were going through prayer and personal revelation. It sounds like
0: your Bishop or some people will call it a pastor was, creating a safe space perhaps Very without so. realizing it or doing it intentionally but you're talking about things like he just listened and yeah. he just loved him and allowed him to speak and he openly admitted i don't know a lot about this but yeah. i think that's so beautiful that's something that's a question that i get sometimes is what does that even mean creating a safe space and that epitomizes it right there yeah. and then he um went to the
1: So that bishop signed his temple recommend that night, which was so like, so validating to Landon. Like, I'm still good with God, you know, like I can still have a temple recommend. I'm still worthy of temple recommend. And then he went to the state president and the state president was just so wonderful and signed the, signed the other part of the recommend, talked to him about it. Uh, Later, like later that, that week or very soon he came and says like, oh, does Landon want me to put his new name on the record on like his preferred name on the records of the church. You can't change you can't change it, but you can add the preferred name. And we didn't even know that was an option back at the time. So we just felt like they were so proactive in, in ministering to us in the way that we didn't even know we needed. They were amazing. So kudos to the Orange California Stake.
0: Yeah. Um, they just real. did
1: so so many wonderful things that helped Landon to to be able to navigate this within the church. And then there were some less positive experiences too, of course, but most of those were because of individuals' lack of understanding or whatnot. And we could deal with that. That was fine. And then we moved. So then just a couple months after Landon transitioned, we actually moved to Mesa, Arizona where, and then I had more fears because now nobody knows Landon here. We're in in our old state they knew our family for 20 years. So it wasn't hard for them to make that shift and to see that Landon is still the same person that he always has been. And so when moving to Arizona and he was in a different YSA and they didn't quite understand. Mm-hmm. And even though like our state president called ahead, even to, they were really worried about us moving to, to Arizona because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they had our backs. Is what they <laughs> what they told us, you know? So I'd say like, in our state we had a great experiences and then moving out here you know and then covid and it there was just a lot of stuff yeah, that for sure yeah. kind of took place here but then the i'd say probably the one of the hardest things for us to navigate was the policy change um yeah that he no longer had a temple recommend and things like that that was like yeah a real big you know.
0: <laughs> For those that are not of our faith background, do you mind just sharing a sentence or two about what that about means? about Temple Recommends? Yeah. Well, so about we, the policy change and how oh,
1: okay, sure, sure. Okay, land. so um we have a handbook that is filled with just policies, how we run things, how you know, and because we're a worldwide church and it's really nice to know that everybody's dealing with certain things in similar ways across their congregations. And so we do have certain policies. Prior to this policy in 2020, there really was nothing on, you know, transgender. Um, but because of our doctrine on gender, we do have a lot of gendered things in our church. We have gendered classes when we when we go worship in the temple, some of the things in there, that's very gendered. And so there's some complexities that go along with that. And so a policy came out that said that if you have socially transitioned that you may um you can still partake of the sacrament and participate in all ways you can attend all you know 10 classes and so forth but when it comes to gendered callings like you wouldn't be included in gendered callings just probably because they just don't know how to you know deal with that yet um Mm -hmm. or maybe they never will i'm not sure but um and then of course the temple is gendered so they just kind of made a policy that if you are going to socially transition, that you may no longer go to the temple. And so at the time Lennon wasn't really going um to the temple, but he was working on with his leaders on how he could worship in the temple and be comfortable. He was um yeah. yeah. So he was working on that, but then that policy came out and um you know, longer did have that. So that was just a blow, you know, that was yeah. a rough blow that we had For to sure. really process through that.
0: Yeah, I could only imagine, and I'm really sorry. Thank you for for you all and for Landon about that. Um, I I struggle with that as well. Yeah, a lot of
1: a lot of new questions came up. A lot of yeah. you know. <laughs> I've, I think over time I've become really okay with unanswered questions. I really am. Mm. Um, that's one way I think I'm able to move forward. Um, is that I don't have to have all the answers.
0: There's actually a lot of peace I have found personally in uncertainty. Yeah. And I have um, really come to learn how it's an essential element of a faith journey, really. Um, it's like, yeah. you know, doubt and, and faith are kind of two sides of the same coin. You really can't have one without the other. Yeah, that's true. Un- uncertainty is not a bad thing at all. I mean, if we were certain about everything, then what's the point? What's right. the whole point?
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. That's right. I've really come to value my questions and to not be afraid of having questions. I I feel like I kind of tackle questions now. I, I remember during the timeline and was on his mission actually, when he I was, I knew about him, but I wasn't able to share. I remember I was um, serving in the stake young women's. And we would go around to each congregation and do a special lesson for them uh, twice a year. And one of those lessons, the theme was, I think it was just ask. And it was about Mm -hmm. going to the Lord with your questions.
0: I remember that. And I remember
1: we had done a lesson and we had used Sari Dew's devotional, BYUI devotional Mm -hmm. on are we engaged in the wrestle? And and so I studied that um, devotional and I really... The things that she had to say really resonated with me. And kind of in a nutshell, she just said, questions are good. We need to have questions. Yeah. And so um, you know, if we don't, if we don't ask questions, we can never get answers. Exactly. Right. That's what I always say. Um, questions lead to answers. <laughs> yeah, they do. And um, I one of my favorite quotes is. On this topic is from elder uddorf and he says brothers and sisters as good as our previous experience have maybe if we stop asking questions stop thinking stop pondering we can thwart the revelations of the spirit remember it was the questions young joseph asked that opened the door for the restoration of all things we can block the growth and knowledge our heavenly father intends for us how often has the holy spirit tried to tell us something we needed to know but couldn't get past the massive iron gate of what we thought we already knew and I think I had some pretty heavy iron gates yeah. prior to this experience. You, I, I know you are not alone in that. Yeah. yeah. I had some, you know, I had to really unlock the gates and kind of like really shove them just to mm-hmm. even be open a crack, just to start getting the answers. And, and I was so amazed at how the answers did come once I opened yeah. those gates, once I was open. I think that's fearful. the trick
0: is that's where, you know, free agency lies is. We get to choose to move toward uh, lean into that worry, lean into that fear, lean into the unknown yeah, and unlock those gates and be willing to be taught from a higher source. Yeah. I think it's, um, if we're not
1: asking questions, you know, I mentioned that word damned. Like I feel like if we're not asking questions, we're kind of stuck. Like we're never going to progress beyond And so I love also what Sherry do said in, I think this is actually from the book, which is made, which was taken from the devotional. I think her book is called worth the wrestle. The devotional was called, are you engaged in the wrestle? And she said, spiritual wrestlers are seekers. They are men and women of faith who want to understand more than they presently do. And who are serious about increasing the light and knowledge in their lives. And, you know, like I said, like I hadn't, we had nowhere to go. We only had personal revelation. We can only ask our questions to God. And so we had no other choice, but to yep. be seekers of truth.
0: Yes. And um, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah.
1: And I, I just, I love, I love that. I've learned that through this journey. Like that is so invaluable to me um, and really understanding how I get answers and also being completely trusting of my sons and my kids, all of my kids, all of them have left the church right at this point, uh, for one reason or another. And I just, um, I just have to trust that they know they are getting answers for themselves in the same way I get answers for myself. And it's really been a joy to watch them navigate and figure out life and what's important to them. And I think that that's an important part of their growth process as well. And I know with Landon, when he was, you know, trying to navigate this in the church and we had no answers, we had no policies and he was getting answers. And I remember asking myself like, wow, would, would the Lord really tell Landon to transition? Like in my past self, I would have said, absolutely not. He Mm -hmm. wouldn't have done that. Yeah. Um, But I remember when I was asking those questions to myself, I wasn't expressing those to Landon, but I kind of wondered like, Mm. would he really tell you to do that? I don't know. You know? Yeah. And then I remember this thought came to my mind to trust Landon's decisions.
0: Yeah.
1: And then I, I just remembered, you know what? I taught Landon all his life. I've watched him yeah. in this process of finding answers. And if I tell him now, God won't answer you that way. What am I telling him about all the past answers he's received? Does it discount all those? Does He wasn't That's doing it point. right. That's so I just, point. I just had to trust. And so I did, and I supported him in his decisions and, you know, then looking back now with this piece of information about his chromosomes, I think why wouldn't have heavenly father answer that question the yeah. way he did?
0: Why, you know, like Lennon is just as much male. There's as so, freedom. there's so much faith required here and it's just so beautiful. It's, it's hard it's painful it's it, it's so many things at once what you're saying just makes so much sense why wouldn't god have answered landon's prayer in the way that it was answered it makes so much sense yeah. what you're saying you're saying so many beautiful things so many wonderful things i can't wait to get the transcript of this so i would love for you to share any final thoughts uh, that you'd like to leave with our listeners about navigating this space
1: Sure. I think um, if you don't mind, Megan, I'm just going to read a a quote that I wrote for Richard Osler's book, uh, because it just articulates so well what I would love uh, people to know. And it's quote, one thing I needed to know as I entered this journey was where Satan was in all of this. I had frequently heard that LGBTQ people were Satan's way of destroying the family. And this wasn't our experience. We had grown closer together but as I ponder this over time, I got a clear message, and this is what I learned. There is evil around us for sure, and Satan is having a heyday. I don't believe this work has been to deceive people into being LGBTQ. Instead, he takes these precious children of God and tells them they are worthless. He tells them that there is no place for them in God's plan. He tells them God no longer loves them. He resides in their shame. He also resides in our fears, knowing that our fears will, will hinder our ability to truly love. His goal is to tear apart families and drive people away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is succeeding, but not because this group has been deceived and are now gay or transgender. He is succeeding because he is keeping us from coming together as the body of Christ and loving with pure Christ-like love. We could do better to help heal those, those members who are hurting and feel they have no place with us. Every member is vital. Without them, we cannot function as a church to our fullest potential. The answer to overcoming Satan, strengthening family, and bringing people to
0: Christ is love. Great. 1000%. I will leave the links to both of Richard Osler's books in the show notes. Thank you so much for sharing that quote. Um, It's a great segue into the question I like, kind of my last, you know, big question. And what does it mean to you to live beyond the shadow of doubt? That is such a great question.
1: I had to really think about this one. Mm -hmm. Um, I think for me, living beyond the shadows means living in peace, free of fear, free to truly love without an agenda. Um, Living beyond the shadow means fully embracing the Lord's grace and allowing that grace to work in my life and to allow it to help me overcome the hard. And then to let that grace transform me into something that I wasn't before. Beyond the shadow is really more light than I think I've ever seen or felt. I don't want to go back to the other side of the shadow.
0: Yeah.
1: I love what I've learned. Uh, I, I thought that the other side of the shadow was the safe place. And may, maybe it is a safe place. But there's so much more I found. Yeah. Um, so much it more is. to experience and to learn through our questions and through our struggles and through those trials. And I, I just learned to embrace those and to let the Lord alchemize those things for good. Wow! And if you're not familiar more with chills,
0: more chills, <laughs> <laughs> if
1: you're not familiar with what it means to alchemize, that means to transform the nature of something seemingly by a seemingly magical process. Mm-hmm. And to me, grace is that
0: magical process. Grace Amen. Has become
1: so important to me in my journey.
0: so awesome. There's so much more light on the other side of that shadow. That's brilliantly stated. So good. Monica, it has been just amazing to be with you today. Um, It's been a pleasure to talk with you. So I didn't tell you, there's just a few uh, questions I ask all of my guests just to get to know you a little bit more. Uh, One or two word answers. That's all I'm looking for, just for fun um, tell us what your favorite book is. Oh gosh. (laughs) The alchemist. (laughs) I love it. Okay. I love that book. Okay. Um, Noted. I love it. Are you an intro introvert or an extrovert?
1: Oh my gosh. I think I would say, I think people say I'm an extrovert, but I feel like an introvert. Okay. But I've learned to be more extroverted especially through this journey. Yes. I I I guess what I've learned is, um, yeah, I've always been a very shy. I was the kid who hid behind my mother's skirts and all that. But I think through this process, I've kind of just been, um, open to like, I found myself in situations where I really had to open my mouth and I feel like the Lord has put me there. And so I'm just willing to do what the Lord wants me to do. Absolutely.
0: It's uncomfortable, but I do it. (laughs) No, I understand that totally. Um, do you have a favorite artist? Hmm. I. Um. <laughs> that's a hard one. I really do love.
1: Um, and I'm. I'm afraid I'm going to say this wrong. Is it Jay Kirk Richards or?
0: I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, yeah. you're right I
1: do, Yeah, I do have some of his art in my home. Yes, me too. Um, I think for me. The things I have like around my home are just things that are very near and dear to my heart. It doesn't really matter the artist; it just does that touch me and his work really. Yes, says agreed. It says what I feel inside.
0: Agreed. Are you a night owl or a morning lark?
1: I've become a night owl out of necessity because I have teenagers. <laughs>
0: Isn't that funny? I became a morning lark when my kids were young and I didn't have any problem remembering how to be a night owl. (laughs) I shifted in California. I was kind of an early because my kids
1: all had seminary. So they were all in bed early and up early. And now like in Arizona, we had release time and, and now I only have one child at home and he is um, doing school from home. And so we get up whenever we want. So I get to sleep in now. So I'm up late now
0: and That's that's probably better in Arizona. Once the sun goes down, it's cooler anyway. So that is for sure. (laughs) uh, Do you um, do still or carbonated water? Or are you a diet soda fan?
1: Oh, I don't want to admit it, but I'm a diet soda fan.
0: Oh, go ahead and admit it. No judgment. (laughs) here. I got my Uh, bullet pop right here. Yeah. Do you have a celebrity crush? No, not really. No, no. Okay. (laughs) Fair enough. And the furthest place you have traveled?
1: Kenya. Oh,
0: yep. We just went
1: to Kenya. This year, actually. You did. Did you go with Becky? We did. Yeah, we went with Becky McIntosh and 100 Humanitarians. It was incredible. If you ever have an opportunity to- I
0: would I would love very much to do that. Look into 100 Humanitarians. It's an amazing organization. Okay, now that I will do that. Well, Monica, um, if any of our listeners had questions for you or wanted to reach out to you, what would be the easiest way? An email address or maybe a DM on Facebook? Oh, sure. Either, anyway- um, I get
1: lots of messages on Facebook from people. I am always willing to sit and chat with somebody. Also, you can email me my email. You want me to give that now? Or you yeah, want to sure. post it? Or It's Monica. Yeah, Monica underscore Phillips with two L's at live.com. I'd okay. probably say though, like an, a message would be like a, a DM. message would probably be something I'd see okay. faster. My 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 email gets I get buried in my email. Yeah. Um but yes I'm happy to answer any questions sure. or sit with you. And, you know I've sat with a lot of parents. I've cried with a lot of parents. And-
0: thank you for that offer. Never too much holding space or listening and loving and learning to go around. So yes, thank you so sure. much, Monica. Thank, thank you, you for so having much. me again. It's been so so memorable, so uplifting. It's been great. Thank you. I appreciate you. you inviting me. Same. Come join me in Hopeful Spaces, a Dallas Hope Charities component of Hopeful Discussions, which is sponsored by Mercedes-Benz Financial Services USA. Hopeful Spaces is a monthly parent, caregiver, and ally support group facilitated by Megan Skidmore Coaching. To join is free. Simply send an email to chc at dallashopecharities.org. Visit meganskidmorecoaching.com where you can find this podcast, as well as additional free resources. Check the podcast show notes on any platform for links to sources cited. Follow me on Facebook or Instagram for more and to send me a DM. To help the podcast grow, please follow, rate, and review, as well as share it with a friend. Beyond the Shadow of Doubt is a proud member of the Dialogue Podcast Network, which is a part of the Dialogue Journal found at dialoguejournal.com forward slash podcast network. Founder Eugene England was a Mormon writer, teacher, and scholar who wrote, My faith encourages my curiosity and awe. It thrusts me out into relationship with all creation and encourages me to enter into dialogue. My hope is that this podcast is an extension of that vision. Thanks for being here. Until next